This is Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. Today is March 28th, 2020, and we're here with a quick update. You can find the notes and links for this and other episodes at entheogenshow.com. Sign up to receive an email when we release a new episode. Follow us at Entheogen Show on Twitter and like Entheogen Show on Facebook. And thanks for listening. So, hey, guys, we're uh, checking in with you. We are, uh, we're still alive, and we wanted to just uh, post a quick update and let you know where we are and what we're thinking about the show. Um, I guess what inspired this was a conversation we were having, just personally kind of checking in on each other and uh, talking about the worldwide pandemic virus that we are all facing. We're all adjusting to this new reality over the last few weeks. Um, a lot has really changed day by day, but I feel like we're kind of stabilizing into some form of a new normal, um, you know, now several weeks in and, uh, Brad finds himself kind of in the heart of things in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin finds himself in the heart of things in Spain. And I have escaped to Sedona, Arizona, where I'm hunkering down and working remotely from my camper van with my wife. Um, we both work full-time remotely, and so we are uh, holed up here and hunkered down in Sedona to ride out uh, this phase of quarantine and to you know regroup when we see what comes next. But uh, I think it would be good to just let the listeners know where we are. It's been a while since we post a new show. We'd love to hear from you if you're hearing this now. And, uh, you know, it's strange times we're living through, but I think now is a really good time for the community to come together and uh, hopefully come back stronger than ever on the other side of this, whenever that may be. So, hey, guys, how are you guys doing? Great. That was the longest intro you've ever done. That was, <laughs> I'm in awe. That was so I could, impressive. I could keep going. I, I, I've been known to spin a yarn in my day. <laughs> <laughs> we've heard, we've heard, Joe. We've heard about, you know, your virility there. So, you know, we know... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we've heard poems about it you know <laughs> oh, man. there's there's literature well, subject you know it's it's funny like uh, outside of you know work calls where we've got people that i work with who are remote and doing the occasional google hangout here and there you know doing this with you guys because we've always done this show for the most part like in three different locations and using skype to do it um, this was one of the few instances where, you know, I'm doing group chats with with friends and now that's all I do all day, all night. This is just how we're, I'm interacting with everyone in my world socially. Um, it's how I'm interacting with my family and um, it's good to get back to the, the OG video chat crew. Yeah. It's amazing to think this is old hat, you know, the, uh, you know, doing these video calls and, and how, uh, how normalized that's really become. I remember, you know, growing up and watching like the Jetsons, uh, and probably joked about this on the show before, but how video calls, you know, were like really futuristic, um, when I was a kid, um, you know, and now it's really pretty normalized. Um, I've noticed myself doing way more calls like this, FaceTime calls with family, um, just even checking in on, you know, text and things. Um, a lot more. So I think there is, you know, it, it has inspired some more, um, you know, community kind of behavior, at least through, yeah. through, um, you know, remote socialization. And so uh, that's, you know, that's a, a benefit if we can keep that going. Yeah, I was reading, I was reading an article this morning that was, it was, I think on BBC News, uh, that was just putting out the idea, like, what if this happened in 2005? You know, what if, yeah. 
yeah. this whole thing happened then, and it was chronicling the timeline. Like, so when Skype first came out, it, it wasn't even video; it was just a digital conference calling service. But you know, 2006, 2005, I think Facebook. 2006 was Twitter. 2007 was the first iPhone. Um, but just trying to imagine how shelter in place and how social distancing would look and feel not that long ago, 2005, you know, 15 years ago, before all of this stuff that we just take for granted did, didn't exist. You'd have to find out about it on Friendster, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, and also like Tom how many me. more people would have been, um, you know, sick or, or you know, potentially worse uh, because the, the information wouldn't have tracked. Well, as fast, you know, mm-hmm. not, not yeah. that, not, you know, not that it wouldn't have gotten to primary sources, but I feel like the mobilization at, at a very like local friend level is just insane. You know, it's, it's, it's really impressive. It's the first time I've seen social media being overwhelmingly used for something good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of impressive, like where, how, how would I know, you know, if Trump weren't able to tell me directly on a daily basis, all the facts that I needed. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 Well, I mean, that's the thing is like in this new world, you know, we have these all these different, you know, forms of media, you know, coming at us. And to a large degree, I agree with you that I think, you know, overall, we're much better off for the, you know, the fast means of communication um, at the ready. But we're also subject to, um, you know, the, the counter side to that, um, which is the, you know, prevalence of fake news. Um I mean, sure. do, do you guys remember when fake news was a sincere term, um, you know, that was describing yeah. like a real problem uh, Before the and, people who make fake news started using it? Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> interesting. I This is OK. So this is a thought experiment for you guys and for the listeners, because I've been trying to think of this, how to encapsulate this concept for years now. Um, go, I mean, really going back to like George W. Bush era. But this this idea of like wielding something against itself um the, the way that like, uh, I, I mean, this seems like a real big part of the Republican, um, you know, force um, not to take sides if I don't have to. But uh, where like, you know, they rebrand things really well. Um, and then like it's it, so what's the term to like ironically wield the term against itself uh, to counter the very thing that is, you know, the biggest valid concern we have? Well, this isn't the first time did. The CIA invented the idea of conspiracy theory. Right. Exactly. Right. Thank you. That's a great example. That's a great example. Yeah. It's it's not. I don't know what the term is, but it's the fake news wasn't the beginning of it. Yeah, and also I don't know. I saw an interview uh, a few months back with uh, Yuval Harari, the the writer of uh, the author of *Sapiens*, and you know somebody was asking him about fake news, and he said, you know, fake news is old news. Like fake news has been around since the beginning of time, um, in one form or another. Obviously, it's taken on sort of a new dimension with uh, social media and whatnot. But I feel like um, there's one thing. You know, I've been trying to obviously be. Uh, positive about this and you know i I, it's kind of been my motto i guess like the last x amount of years you know since since since, uh, becoming involved in psychedelics whenever something happens no matter how bad it is think about like well what's the best thing about this bad thing right Mm -hmm. and um i guess there's a few lessons i've been taking out of it but one of them is i feel like this almost i feel like fake news and and conspiracy theory and just general idiocy is was really easy in, in, in such good times, you know? Mm. And, uh, when it comes to situations like this, where there, there's panic and actual, you know, there, there, there's a 
deep, serious problem. And now expertise seems to matter again, you know, or at least it should. It illustrates the need for real leadership, you know, in, in, in times of real crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, leader, leadership yeah. and also information, like paying attention to science. Exactly. Like scientists matter again. Like you're like we lived for, for 10 years where, where somebody's opinion was equal to someone else's expertise, which was completely ridiculous. And now, um, you know, how, how good is Trump on stage by himself if he doesn't have Anthony Fauci next to him? It's like, we need expertise and we need leadership through knowledge. Yeah. In in the way that like, you know, money can hide problems, um, on an individual basis, you know, in the microcosm society has this problem on a macro scale where in times of plenty, you know, we live in, in, we lived in relative luxury for years, yeah. decades. Exactly. Like fake news was like our, was like our cigarettes, right? Sure. I like mean, and, and a bad habit we were allowed to have. You know? Yeah. We never, we never had adversity. We never had a real, you know, problem to face. Um, I mean, we did though, the thing, you know, that's the thing like we, and Kevin, you had a, a great, um, kind of angle on this, but we were talking about this last night. I was talking with Ashley saying, um, you know, we, we were not getting the message from the slow moving train wreck of climate change. And because we were failing to receive that message, the forces of nature sent a faster moving, slow moving train wreck of worldwide (laughs) pandemic virus, uh, you know, for us to like really face the existential threat, you know, to our own existence. Um, whereas with climate change, it's like, you know, people, I mean, it's just, it's kind of embarrassing to look at some of the quotes about like things. Well, it's not happening in my lifetime. Well, that's a really short sighted way to look at things. Um, you know, and, uh, but it's really impossible to, to, to respond that way to, to this kind of crisis where, you know, you could get infected and die. Um, you know, and, and lots of people are, so, um, don't you guys also, also think that like, I, I feel like, you know, there's, there, there was this backlash against globalism and it became globalism, um, instead of being something that was outside the sort of political spectrum got dragged into the political spectrum and then got divided. There were two sides and Trump took the anti-globalist side and so did a lot of other leaders in the world. So it became a politicized thing. But I feel like globalism, if you remove it from the political forum, globalism is about human cooperation, right? And that human cooperation is what has allowed us to survive since the beginning of time, you know, no matter what the enemy was, was it, you know, there's a bacteria virus, another army, whatever the hell it was, like our ability to cooperate and to communicate is what, what kept us alive, you know? So I feel like globalism should be an obvious human goal. It should be an obvious human goal and it's just become politicized and dragged down. And if we're going to solve problems like climate change or any other, you know, potential diseases of the future, it's obvious that we need to cooperate better. Yeah. Well, well said. And I think, you know, in the best case scenario, um, you know, the entire, uh, like experience of, of Trump, um, and just everything, you know, connected to that could be seen in retrospect, I hope, as a like final death rattle of, you know, that nationalism, you know, that sort of like us versus them, you know, how about it? Like, how about we transform that to like, we're all in this together. If a um, fast spreading, contagious, you know, highly contagious, um, you know, worldwide pandemic doesn't um, illustrate that. I don't know what does, you know, that we're all in this together. So, I mean, yeah. I hope that can be inspiring. Yeah. And when you kind of 
I mean, you consider like who is against globalism and why, like where does that come from in an attempt to just sort of, I don't know, understand it and see if we can better weave these things together. Um, at least what people talk about publicly is fearing the loss of cultural identity, you know, the loss of um, your sure. community history, conflict of civilization, loss of political representation, and, you know, kind of getting like you zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. It's like this fear of I'm going to lose me. I'm going to lose what's important to me and what I know and what's important to my family and my my culture. And, you know, how can we work together globally in this instance? Um, how can this train us for what will inevitably come with with climate change uh, while preserving you know, cultural identity and, and celebrating that in a way, um, I would like to, would like someone to explain that to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I, I get those aspects of, uh, you know, of globalism and why they sort of, it, it's also, it, it, globalism has to be parsed from sort of the, the economic system behind it. And I think, you know, there's the obvious things we can do economically, um, to ensure that the world, you know, that the world is way better off, and that you know things, things like equality are are kept in mind, and I think that's been the backlash. But um, it's been more of, about the economics of globalism than it has been about the idea of globalism itself. But I feel like through social media, like we we see how how connected everybody is so quickly. I mean, like the the connections between countries now through social media are unbelievable. Like news travels so fast through through Twitter. I mean, I don't even, I don't like Twitter and I don't use it, but I have an account and I look at it for a lot of the news updates because it's just so fast. Right. Yeah. Efficient. It's just unbelievably efficient. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like also trying to converge in some ways, conflicting ideologies of like how to, how to still maintain a sense of efficiency while, doing right by people and the generations to come. So, you know, we, we were talking before about how capitalism has created efficiencies in the market um, through information, through the dissemination of resources that in a global pandemic um, that has merit, you know, but then on the other side of the coin, it's the story that came out yesterday or the day before about, you know, the, the guy who got turned away because he didn't have health insurance and died from Corona and just, you know exactly why this how and why the system fails humans right and it's i think it's important to also point out that it doesn't only fail an individual because you know the failure is also that you know this this individual i think a teenager was turned away from receiving care um that person could have then also infected other people um you know on the way back home um you know being being near family and friends whatever else um, so it, it illustrates the point that uh, how did how did uh, how did Bernie Sanders put it? Yeah, we're we're only as strong as our least insured person. Right. Yeah. And I again, I was saying before, I think that you know, not not to harp on Bernie because Bernie Bernie Bernie's good at, good at saying a lot of those kind of uh, the, you know, those those sort of sentences that fire people up. But I think that one's pretty pretty on in terms of the fact that you know. The, health has to be a universal right and we see it in a in a situation like this you know it, it it's easy to have a luxury pay system when everything's great but you know right now everybody's a carrier right right yeah even the world leaders and politicians <laughs> exactly yeah 
Except exactly. except Bolsonaro, who keeps uh, like <laughs> keeps telling people it's a conspiracy, even though like thirteen people in his cabinet have it. Wow, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it's one thing for society to think, or for for certain like corners of society um, to think, like you know, in theory, like it would be nice if we could provide you know universal, well, just social services for people, like making sure everybody is you know, fed and clothed and sheltered and enjoy some level of, you know, healthcare, um, the best society has to offer, you know, to think of that in theory is one thing. And to think of that as like a, a moral kind of imperative is one thing, but to also have it a way to illustrate it as being maybe what's better, um, you know, for a productive society, like, you know, less costly, <laughs> for example, like if you have a um, system that's, so brittle that it can't withstand, you know, um, like stores closing for a short period of time, uh, and the entire system breaks apart and you have to like materialize wealth out of nowhere to, you know, just try to keep it going a little bit longer. Um, you know, that's not really a sustainable system. And so if we design a system that could take care of and scale to these types of, um, black swan events or whatever you want to call them, you know, that would be more efficient for society and more effective and, and more, um, you know, it would it would be less like costly in, in a different way. So, yeah, it, it's another one of my hopes with a, with a situation like this is that um, I, I don't I've I've felt, you know, I've been lucky that my economic situation has not changed yet because of this. Um, but obviously, the rest of my life has in the sense that we're, we're at home, like there's not much to do. And what I, what I find interesting about it is how quickly I realized, you know, I always had this sense of like, I have more than I need. Um, and that's a, it's a, that's a comforting feeling, right? It's a good feeling, but now it's patently obvious because I, I'm at home and the only thing that I can spend money on are groceries and like my Netflix account. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like, there's very little to spend money on <coughs> porn and yeah, of course, <laughs> <laughs> you pay for it, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> now I know how the business works. Oh, I thought, um, we, were, I thought we were talking about you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but what I, what I mean about that is is that um, you know, in a very simple way, we're being forced to to live with just the basic needs. And when when we do that, we realize how much excess we we have very quickly. And and yeah. you know, and I mean, we're just like three normal dudes with normal jobs. Um, imagine you know at higher, much higher levels of uh, the economic ladder. So I think this could also help serve people in that way. Is like you know let let's realize how lucky we have been, how lucky we are. We will we will be this lucky again in the future. I I, I assume, and what what is necessary to bring everyone to that level. You know what I mean? It's it's really not that difficult. Right, especially when you know like we've been just wringing our hands about like how can we solve homelessness? You know, gee, I I don't know. Like what could we do? Yeah. Like there's not enough wealth in the system to, to, to handle these really simple problems. Right. I mean, sim there's simple and economic terms, not simple. I, I know they, there are problems that are complicated in how you exactly how you solve them, but the resources required to, to yes. solve them. I mean, there, come on. there's a really great example of this playing out right now in LA. Have you guys seen the, the movement to um, find housing for the homeless specifically for all these homes and neighborhoods that were purchased by, 
um, I can't remember the name of the agency, but it was to build a freeway. So okay. they bought all of these, all of this housing, jacked up the rent to basically push all the people out of them so that they could demolish them and build a freeway. The freeway project has since been uh, canceled and uh, they've organized to basically people have been like just moving themselves into these vacant houses that have been vacant for wow. months and years. Um, and it, it's the way they're talking about it, it's like they're not taking advantage of this situation. They are this un- incredibly unfortunate, horrible situation is making this absolutely necessary because typically homeless populations are very much huddled in groups and social distancing is impossible for the way that resources are provided and disseminated for them. And so like this is it's here, it's now, it's available. It's not an unrealistic thing that needs to be developed in the future. Um, and it's happening. It's happening. I'm, I'll see if I can find the specifics for that, but it's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, we need just like real, real pragmatic, like, uh, you know, in, it, like ingenuity, like just to, you know, just practically like solve this today um, in a lot of these cases. So, I mean, it's maybe you know, maybe it's going to force solutions that seemed for whatever reason to be like, you know, more complicated than they need, needed to be. Um, and Kevin, what were you saying also about like, you know, just how this was, this, <laughs> this crisis, um, will provide, you know, tr- training for, I mean, don't, don't forget about climate change. Like we still have this background, you know, these o- other background existential threats, um, you know, not to throw uh, cold water on this because we're um, trying to maintain a positive, you know, attitude about this current crisis that we're going through, um, which is not going to be easy to get through and will cause a lot of loss of life and loss of wealth and impact on the worldwide economy. And we'll see how the world turns out on the other side of this. But um, looking on the bright side of you know, going through something like this, what kinds of things can, can we take away from it? What kinds of things can we learn that we may need to have a handle on uh, in facing the next crisis? Yeah. And humanity is super impressive, right? Like humanity is really impressive. Look how like, you know, uh, two weeks ago or, or 10 days ago, we were shitting our pants and not that we're not still doing that, but the the, the pants shitting has given way to like massive organization you know, what I mean, like people are doing a million things in a million places and the solidarity that we're seeing everywhere. I mean, like there's so many community initiatives uh, popping up to like where I live. I mean, there's there's a massive community initiative to like get uh, make sure senior citizens get their groceries and get things from the pharmacy. There's like a massive list of people providing services and you can and their numbers listed. You can just call anyone on there. And there are even things like, you know, psychological um, like uh, psychologists giving appointments through Skype, et cetera. I mean, there it's just unbelievable when people organize because there's a common good, you know. So I, I, I don't know. I, I find that part very, very, um, just very inspiring, and uh, and also something that uh, maybe maybe we can take forward, you know. Uh, apart from the obvious things of getting back to, like we said, paying attention to experts and that knowledge mm-hmm. means more than loud people's opinions. Yeah. Those would be some good lessons for sure. Word up. The thing I was referring to is it's an organization called Reclaiming Our Homes, and they're conventionally known as reclaimers. But maybe we, in the show notes, we can link to it just to help spread awareness for what they're doing because it's, it's pretty awesome. Cool, guys. Cool.
the entheogen uh, consumption is going to be a little rough over Zoom, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, entheogen consumption locked in your home. Like, yeah, I don't know. Some people can handle that better than others, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good, good point. Yeah. Way to keep it topical, guys. Good, good work there tying that in. My first time ever doing mushrooms was when we were in school and it was like in Boston in the dead of winter. I did and that it was too. Such a terrible idea. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> oh, I was terrified. Really? I was. Uh, I I probably took way too much. And I, the the two vivid memories I have from that night, most vivid memories, was I, I often find when when I'm tripping, the size, the sense of scale of things is always oh, yeah. really yeah. interesting to me. And I went to uh, our we went to our friend's apartment like basically like running through the freezing cold just to get out of the dorm to go to a place that wasn't a dorm. Uh, and we get to her apartment and I open up the fridge and there was one of those three liter bottles of Gatorade oh, that looks just like the smaller version of the Gatorade, except it's very <laughs> large. And I lost my shit completely. I just opened up the fridge. I saw this thing and just fell into a puddle on the ground in hysterics. And I, they were like, what's wrong? Wrong. And I'm like, I couldn't even talk. It was so funny to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think I, that was the first time I had ever taken a psychedelic, actually. and was in Boston in the winter, and someone brought mushrooms over, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. And uh, th- it was just so it was so novel to me that I, I couldn't even – you know, I remember calling a, a mutual friend of ours who's actually been a burner uh, sort of in the middle of it, and he was like, "Go, you're on mushroom? Go outside. You know, like that's right. what you're supposed to do when you're on mushrooms. And I was like, I think I'm cool, man. You know, I was like trying to get out of the apartment and go outside would have been a mission, you know, but I was, I was having, uh, such a, such a great time <laughs> like, <laughs> just being locked in an apartment in the middle of winter. But, uh, but yeah, it's talking about the scale issue. I had, uh, I had one of those at Burning Man this year that, um, it's scale. And also like, do, do you, have you ever gotten like an image that just gets repeated to infinity? Has that ever happened to you? Hmm. Like it's sort of like a blurring of lines and it's hard to tell exactly where the position of the thing is. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had that this year. Like everyone who's been to Burning Man knows how um, difficult it can be to find bathrooms uh, because they have a little <laughs> tiny blue light on the top and everything else has massive, way brighter lights. And uh, I, w- I got to... Um, I, I think I, I consider myself decent at finding bathrooms. I have to say <laughs> I, uh, I was on the mission trying to find the bathrooms and I got to a point where I could, I could see what I thought was the bathroom. And then, and then, but on the right, I saw one too. And I looked to the left and I looked to the right and, uh, they were both bathrooms, but they were both repeated to infinity. <laughs> so I didn't know exactly <laughs> how far each one was. And I'm like, if it's the first of those blue lights on the left, out of like 10, then it's pretty close. If it's like the 10th one, it's really far. <laughs> you know, I was just like <laughs> stuck in this situation of like, I have no idea how to, how to make a decision here. Man. Well, speaking of entheogens, we do have a couple of uh, episodes recorded uh, to, to be posted. Um, so you can look forward to more future episodes of entheogen. We'd certainly appreciate your support, your moral support. If you're listening uh, and you have any comments or feedback for us, find us on the social media, uh, Twitter or Facebook, um, at entheogen show, um, entheogenshow.com. And let us know what you think of the show. Uh, of course, we'd also appreciate your support through Patreon. 
Um, that's how you can really send us a strong signal of support um, through a <laughs> monthly pledge. Um, but, you know, we're not just here to ask for a handout. We're also uh, here to support you in whatever way you might need help. So, um, you know, feel free to reach out, contact us through those social media, through the website. Um, let us know what you want to hear more about in the future. And we will be posting more shows as we as we have time to uh, to focus on this. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but it really sounds like there's some pent up, uh, you know, like conversation and some pent up demand uh, for talking about you know, our past, uh, antigen experiences. So hell yes. Uh, hell yes. It's yeah. a good time. Like have, I've been taking this time to reconnect with a lot of friends that I don't speak to as often. And I feel like I don't speak to you guys enough, but I still feel like there, there are people that have gotten way lost and I've been taking the, uh, the opportunity to try to reach out and just have like more one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, et cetera. And, um, and, and back to the social media thing, we've, we've definitely, we've had, you know, consistent messages over time from, from people asking us when the hell we're going to get our shit together and get back on the, uh, back on the job. So for all the loud, for people, loud and clear, loud yeah, and loud. loud, loud and clear and, uh, we're on it and, uh, yeah. And I think if anyone's seriously shitting their pants, they should just call Joe. I think Joe should put his phone number in the show notes. <laughs> oh, I saw a great um, coronavirus meme that it was probably digitally edited, but it was like one of those highway signs, you know, like click it or ticket or like whatever you need to tell people on the highway that's important for highway safety. And it said something like um, to to get tested for coronavirus. Uh, send a stool sample to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's hilarious. I've gotten a kick out of, I mean, there's been so many of them, but I, one of the ones that I've gotten a kick out of is the, the ones about how like, you know, our grandfathers were all, you know, like asked to go off to like war uh, to, to like save the country. And like, we've, we've been asked just to like to sit on the couch, stay home. Yeah. Let's not fuck it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not fuck this one up, guys. Oh, man. Yeah, and until we get back on the air again, everyone out there should uh, stay safe and uh, and definitely listen to uh, the authorities on, uh, on social distancing and just uh, let's let's uh, flatten the curve, as they say, and take the advice, stay at home. And uh, and uh, like someone I uh, heard speak this week said, uh, things are, are never as good as they seem, but they're also never as bad as they seem. So uh, we'll, we'll get through this. Go Team Human. Here, here. Nice. That was Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. Please support Entheogen by making a donation on Patreon. Become a patron for as little as $1. Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again.